you made for me in 1985. Yeah. You were an artist then, and you're an artist now, but it's got the hearts on it and everything, and love, Wes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink out of it at lunch today. It's the kind, you know, you could draw and put it down inside the cup and plastic. And so it's, it's always, yeah, everybody, one, two, three. Aww. But I don't, I don't plan sermons around secular holidays because really even we're supposed to honor our father. And we're also supposed to honor our parents. And that's, that's cool. So we're honoring our parents today, honoring our dads and moms. And, but that's an ongoing thing. That should be an ongoing thing, just like everything else we talk about. We celebrate Resurrection Day every day of our life as Christians. You get up out of bed because he rose from the dead, you know? Uh, we celebrate Pentecost because we're baptized. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We celebrate Pentecost every day. We don't have to wait for specific days to celebrate things. You should celebrate Dad's Day every day if you're a kid. And honor your parents. I don't care if they're good or bad. You're supposed to honor them. Uh, so today we're in, we're in the, I'm still continuing this. I guess it's a summer series called The Church in Action. And it's from the book of Acts. We're going to be walking through the book of Acts and probably going to stay pretty close to Scripture all the way through as far as not jumping around. Just staying. We're in Acts chapter 5 if you want to go ahead and turn there. Some of you have different translations you like better than the New King James that I normally use. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 5. We've already been in that. We talked about Ananias and Sapphira last week and Barnabas and all that. So today we're moving on from that to the the next event. Uh, But when I thought about the church in action, do you realize that a church that's not operating, is not active, is really not a church? You can call it a church. You can put a name on the door and you can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. You can call yourself a, a Ferrari. That doesn't make you a Ferrari, does it? I mean... Uh, you can go stand in the garage. That doesn't make you a car. So uh, you can call, you can put labels on things, but the church is active. I, the reason I know that because the Bible teaches that the church is a church of action. And the church of action, began, the New Testament church began in Acts chapter 1 and 2. That's when actually chapter 2, when the New Testament church began. And guess what? We're still in that new church age. We're in that age. And we, we, it hasn't changed. And we don't, we don't go, well, it stopped at the end of Revelation or when it got to the maps. I'm sure it had to stop in the back, back of the Bible. No, we were a, we're a continuation because God is he's an eternal God. He's, uh, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the Lord thy God. I do not change. So all these things are part of us, and our DNA should be that we're an active church. You know, you say we say love is a verb. Say love is a verb. Because you can talk about love all day long, but if you don't act it out, dads, if you just say, I love my kids, but you don't show them that you love them, you don't really love them. You're just using words. But the same holds true for our church. If we say we love Jesus and we say we're going to do the mandate of what he said, that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves, but we don't do those things, all that is is words. So we have to put action behind our words. They should work together just like the Holy Spirit and the Word of God work together. Our life, the, uh, James says that faith without works is dead. So we should live out this active, we should be this church in action. Listen, a church that's in action, that's following the mandate of the Scripture, being led by the Spirit, is a healthy church. So today we're going to look at five things that show that there are signs that we're, I believe that we're a healthy church. I believe that we're, we're, not, we're probably not where we need to be, but we're getting there. 
but I believe that we're on the right track to being a healthier church. And, and how many of you want to be healthy? Nobody wants to be sick. Nobody wants to be ill. Nobody wants to be laying in a bed when you could be up and doing things that, you know, and, and enjoying life. So this morning, we're going to be talking about what a healthy church looks like. And so we've got five points, and we're going to read through these scriptures and touch on these things. The first thing is the church in action experiences the supernatural. The church in action, the church that's healthy, really will experience the supernatural. Because Jesus is a supernatural God. Holy Spirit operates in the supernatural. The Father operates in the supernatural. We can't put God in a box and say he can only do this and not do that. So look at verse 12 in Acts chapter 5. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done. Say signs and wonders. Among the people, they did a lot of signs and wonders were done among people. They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now, listen, the church was met in a porch area. How many of you have led somebody to the Lord on your front porch or your back porch or in your yard? Or in your house? Listen, the, the church is outside of these walls. We're going to say that until the you know, that's just the way it is. We should be able to be the church outside these walls more so than even than inside these walls. Now, well, I've had the opportunity one day, this guy was working on our sewer line in the back, and he was out there digging. And I thought, man, these guys need to hear, because I could hear what they were saying. <laughs> so I thought, we've got an outdoor speaker. I put on some praise and worship music. And it's playing out right where he was digging. And, man, and pretty soon that dude was crying in the, in the ditch. And I went out there and I began to talk to him. Man, he just gave his life to Jesus in the ditch there. I blessed him to keep digging, too, because, man, we need our sewer line fixed. But that's how it should be. That's how we should be. That's the church in action. So yet none of the rest dared join them. Remember, Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead. So everybody was a little bit, oh, if we're going to get, these people are serious. Say, I'm serious about Jesus. But the people esteemed him highly. Remember, we talked about that last week. Not going to go into it much, but the people were a people of integrity. The church was a church of integrity. And believers were added increasingly to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and they laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Listen, their faith was so great. They were so hungry. They were so in, in tune with the Holy Spirit. They wanted whatever God had for them that they said, listen, I don't know if Peter's going to have time to pray for me, but when he walks by, if we can just get in his shadow, we're going to get healed. Now, it doesn't say anybody was healed, but I, I think that they probably were because of their faith, not because of his shadow, but because of their faith. They wanted to get close to somebody that was close to Jesus. And that's what it should be for us. The world is so hungry for something real. The, the world is so hungry for something true. The world is so hungry for the real kind of love that we can offer. They should be wanting to get close to us. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem. They were bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And a few of them were healed. No, what does it say? And they were all healed. Man, wherever they were coming, they were faith-filled. The Holy Spirit had come in power. Listen, the church that's active will see people get healed. They will see signs and wonders. They will see miracles. We shared one this morning with Johnny. Johnny Mack stood right up the middle of this, and you've heard the story, or maybe some of you haven't. He came into our church. Listen, he came from a denomination that didn't believe. They didn't teach about the healing. They didn't teach about the power of the Holy Spirit. And But he had heard from his brother-in-law and and uh, his, his sister-in-law that this 
And these people prayed for people to get healed. And he had been diagnosed with a horrible heart disease. And it had been actually for 20 years in his life, he had suffered from a heart disease. And he had finally gone back to the doctor from one of his checkups. And the doctor finally said, Johnny Mac, you just need to go home and get your affairs in order. You're going to die. You don't have much time left. And so he had heard about us. He heard about a church that actually believes in what the Bible says. And he came on a Wednesday night. Guess what we were teaching on? Happened to be teaching on that Wednesday night. Paid in full. God heals. Came into the, into the fellowship hall. We had about 30 people in there. And he was at a table. And I got to go lay hands on him. And everybody in our table prayed for him. For, for one thing was for peace. We didn't really know all of his situation. But he hadn't been able to sleep for, for years. He hadn't been, able, hadn't been able to sleep through the night. And he, he, go, he, he gets prayer. He leaves. And he comes back the next day. He, well, he started about these intercessors that pray for people. And people get healed. So he comes to the intercessory prayer ladies' room, and they, they pray for him. And, man, I'm telling you, the Lord shows up. And I'm telling you, when you're terminally ill, or they, when the doctor says terminal, you're not so concerned if somebody's praying in tongues. Right? Man, pray whatever language. It just, Jesus, come and heal me. Religion will, religion will keep you away. We'll see that in a minute. But, but Holy Spirit showed up. And touches. And matter of fact, when he when he walked into the room, they 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 kind of sharing his story. He said, I, "I want you to know, I came last night. I was prayed for." He said, "I slept ten hours last night." He said, "I haven't slept that long in years. hadn't slept that long in years." That night, he, that afternoon, he got prayer. He went back to the doctor. That doctor sent him to another specialist. That specialist said, "You need. Uh, I don't know what these doctors are telling you here." The last place he went. He said, but I've looked at all your charts. I'm looking at all your tests. I'm looking at all your blood work. I'm looking at all this. You have nothing wrong with your heart. Amen. Amen. That's the God of supernatural. That's, a, that's the healing, the miracles of God. And we should see more of those. And I'll tell you that to build your faith. You know what the doctor said? Don't go home and die. Go home and live. Amen. And that's a good, that's a good, that's, that's a good uh, diagnosis. <laughs> You're healed. And listen, it's one of those documented. A lot of people, ah, oh, that was just, he just felt that way. The doctor, they made a mistake. No, this is documented that he was healed. Now, here's what religion does. Okay? There's only one time I believe that religion is mentioned in a good way in the Bible. That's in James, where the religion, true religion is taking care of what is an orphans. But we twisted this word. We made religion something else. Now, look what religion does. Then the high priest rose up. And all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. Hmm. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. See, religion wants to keep you silent. Religion wants to keep you locked in to a certain way of thinking. Religion doesn't want you to be free. You know why religion doesn't want you to be free? Because religion, if you're free, you can't be controlled by religion. You can't be controlled by some man-made statements of faith that are not God's statements of faith. And I'm not here to speak, and I'm not speaking about anybody's denomination or anything like that. Listen, I, there's a lot of great denominations out there. They're teaching the truth and preaching the truth. But I'm telling you, if you're a part of something that says God doesn't do that anymore, get away from them. That's my advice. Now, you might want to run back to them where it's safe so you don't have the responsibility of operating in the gifts that God gives and has given us. You can go back there and you can play it safe, but Jesus never played it safe. The apostles sure didn't play it safe. Look what happened to them. They got arrested for, for preaching Jesus, for healing a man. They got arrested for it. But it, they, they put the religion comes and it says, shut up. I'm going to lock you up in prison. And some of you are locked up in a prison of religion. 
You need to be loose today in Jesus' name. But at night, listen, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said this. Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And way, and when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. Listen, they were told, they were just told, you just shut up. We're going to put you in prison. We'll come deal with you later. And the angel says something different. I'm going to open the doors. I want you all to go right back where you were arrested at. And I want you to preach the word again. I want you to teach the word. See, God wants to unlock whatever prison you're in. And he will use angels to do it. How many of you believe in angels? Man, some of you don't. Man, I feel sorry for you because the word of God says we have angels. And if the word says it, that means it's true, whether you believe it or not. How many of you have seen and believe you've seen an angel before? See, you're looking at one because I'm an angel. <laughs> true meaning of the word angel is messenger. I'm just saying. <laughs> How many, raise your hands again if you think you've seen an angel. Okay. That's cool. I, I've never actually believed that I've witnessed an angel. That doesn't mean I haven't seen one. Because the Bible says they come unaware. They come in situations in your life when you don't know. God sends his angels to protect us. I pray for angels all the time. I pray the, the, the hospital beds. Lord, send your angels. Surround the hospital bed with your angels. Lord, surround this jet that we're flying to Israel in. Put your angels in charge, you know. Around this van that, that Cam's driving, man. Lord put angels around us so we get to Dallas safely. Man, I, I just, I, I believe that God sends angels. I, I, he just loves us so much, he wants to take care of us. So if you don't believe in, I hope you do before the day's over, and maybe God will send one and at the foot of your bed tonight and wake you up. Yeah. So he says, uh, the angels opened the door, they got out, and they began to teach. Now, I love this because look at verse 21. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. That's comedic to me. Uh, okay, you need to get the, all the council members here. All the Yes, I see your high hat. I see your high hat. I see your funny robes. I see your funny robes. I see, oh, yes, you look like a priest. We are going to go now and bring these men that are imprisoned, and we're going to counsel them. Okay? And, and that's kind of funny because they're not there. All right? Look at verse 22. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. You know what usually happened to guards at that time? They would get, they would get their heads cut off. If they were guarding somebody and the, that person got away, they would get their heads cut off. It doesn't say anything about that here. Now, when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. And to that I say, no duh. <laughs> What do you mean they're not there? Can you just imagine the other the conversations going on, Kel? I just, I think like, like that. What do you mean they're not in the prison? Well, we went there. What do you mean they're not there? How do you mean, you mean that, did you, were you, did you go outside for a smoke? Did you leave the post? 
No, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir. We, they, were, they were right there. Matter of fact, they were singing a little bit, and they were praying. I don't know, but all of a sudden, they're, they're not there. So they had to feel a little bit weird about going. And then they hear the news that they're preaching. They're teaching down the temple again. They're back at the temple. You know what this says to me? That God's called us a healthy church is a church that walks in obedience. Because, listen, if you'd been arrested and you know a beating was in, in, inevitable, and then the, the angel says, you can get out now, I would have said, uh, where can we go, Mr. Angel? Because if we go back there, they're probably going to arrest us again, right? I would have probably had a little conversation with the angel. Thank you for getting us out, but could we go to my mom's house and, you know, and I think she's got some, cook some food for us and I'm ready to, but no, they were obedient. You see, sometimes you, when the Lord speaks to you, some of you in this room, the Lord has already spoken to you. He's already called you. He's already equipped you. And you've said, no, I don't, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to obey. And you're not walking in obedience. You know what? If you're not walking in obedience, you're walking in disobedience. We talked about that several weeks ago, about rebellious, being walking in rebellion. And God's called us to be a people of obedience. Where was I? Now, when the child priest, the captain of the temple, oh, said, so what, what would the outcome be? So verse 25 said, so one came and told them, saying, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. What are you supposed to be doing? Dads, what are you supposed to be doing? What are you supposed to be doing in your household? What are you supposed to be doing on the job? We are supposed to be speaking life. We are supposed to be speaking the words of Christ. We are supposed to be living, loving examples of Jesus. And if you're not, then you're being silent and you're letting religion or fear or something else win. Because, listen, if, if God has called you to do something, we should not fear doing what he's called us to do. Because he's going to back it up. I was telling the first, first service when we, we established this church, I had people ask me, what are you going to do if this doesn't work out? What are you going to do if this doesn't work out? And I said, well, I never thought about that. Because I didn't think that if God called me, it was going to work out. As long as I was obedient, it was going to work out. And so when there were 25 of us, and then there were 35, and then 45, and 50, and then 60, and 70, you know, I look back on the history of this church, and it's never gone back the other way. And I'm not boasting on me. I'm boasting on Jesus Christ. Because, listen, if he's called you to do something, listen, if he showed up, if it was an angel or a, you knew it was a confirmation or it was a prophetic, whatever it was, if he's called you, then he begins to equip you. Then you can say, God, all right, I'm stepping out on this. I don't know how it's going to work, but I trust you. And you can trust God, however that looks, however that looks. He's asking us to be obedient. The third thing I want us to see this morning is the church in action, or a healthy church, we keep, we keep our focus on Jesus. Okay. Verse 26, then the captain went with the officers and they brought them without violence for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest asked him, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name, this name of Jesus? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man, Jesus' blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. This is the third time he said this in a variation of ways. 
We talked about authority. He said, listen, God or you, Pharisee, should I listen to you or should I listen to God that made you? Man, there were all, you know, Jesus used to ask questions a lot. And it would trap people because they, they didn't have an answer for it. And they said, well, what should we, what should we do, uh, uh, Mr. Pharisee guy, high priest man? What should we do? Should we obey you or should we obey the God that you killed, <laughs> the Jesus that you killed? Peter was always good about throwing that one in, right? The God of our fathers raised us up, Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. I thought that was beautiful. Here is Peter. He knows whatever he says, he's ticking this dude off, right? He's already arrested him once. Matter of fact, twice. They've already been arrested and they've been threatened and threatened and threatened and threatened. Whatever he says is going to tick him off. But you know what? He was willing to risk it by offering this man repentance and forgiveness. That's Jesus. That is Jesus. Even when he said, listen, you killed Jesus, you hung him on a tree, but he's still ready to, to forgive you if you will receive, if you will repent. Jesus is still ready to forgive you. You see, some of you think I've done so many wrong things. Even after I gave my life to Christ, I, I don't think you'll forgive me anymore. And Jesus is waiting there for you to repent, change the way you think about what you've been doing, and he will forgive you. He wants to forgive you. He doesn't want you to walk in condemnation. He doesn't want you to walk in rebellion. He doesn't want you to walk in fear. He wants to forgive you. But it starts with a heart change. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus, not conformed to the world. See, the world is religion. The religion wants to keep you confined. Religion wants to keep you locked up. God wants to release you. And that comes through repentance. And forgiveness. So if we ever lose our focus, if we ever teach something besides Jesus Christ crucified, listen, we're in trouble. I'm in trouble. The church is in trouble, but the church is in trouble across the world because many people aren't preaching that anymore. It's not popular. You know, a lot of churches, I've, I read this oh, several years ago, they've redone their hymnal bo- hymnals to take the, uh, take the songs about the blood out because it's kind of offensive. Wow. Number four, the church in action, a, ch- a healthy church, will accomplish God's purpose. Will, verse 33. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. That, that's these hi-hat guys. Then one of the councils stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. Now, Gamaliel, if you'll read later on in Acts, he was actually uh, the teacher of Paul, the apostle Paul. He's a teacher of the law. He was held in respect by all the people, and he commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. It'd be like us gathering together and having a little meeting. You know how you do your kids? Mom and Dad, we're going to have a meeting. What do you do with the kids? You go to your room. Mom, we got to talk about y'all. <laughs> so you just go to your room. So they were saying, you guys, you, you get them aside so we can talk. We need to talk. Because he said, I've got some wisdom to offer you. And he was respected, Okay. And he said to them this, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. In other words, pay attention. Better be careful what you're doing. 
For some time ago, Titus rose up claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. Then and now, false messiahs show up. Y'all know that. They're all, they're all over the world right now. I'm Jesus, I'm Messiah, I've come back, and they get a cult following. Jim Jones probably started out on the right track, got lost somewhere on the way, and began decided he was a Messiah. And guess what? Jim Jones and his little crew, they're not here anymore. David Koresh, not here anymore. These people that, that talk about they're, they're the Messiah. And it's kind of like back then. Gamaliel was saying, these guys have risen up. And they've got a following, but once they were dead and their followers just dispersed, they scattered. It's, it wasn't real. It wasn't solid. It, it wasn't going to last. But then he goes on to say this. And now I say to you, verse 38, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. If you're about being genuine and walking in your walk with the Lord, it doesn't matter what other people say. It will continue on. God started to work in you. Guess what it says in Philippians? If he started working you, he's going to complete it. He's going to complete it because he sees the value in you. He sees what you're about. He sees that you're honest. He sees that you have this you, you have this burning desire to serve him to advance the kingdom of God. So once he sees that in you and he, and he and he speaks that into your life, then he wants you to live that out and he wants to protect that. I think he does the same thing with churches. He wants to continue to build the church and, and it is his church. He says the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. So you don't have to be afraid if God's called you to do something. Matter of fact, be encouraged when he's called you to do something. I know Clary started the, the, the justice home, and there have been difficult times, and probably times when she said, this is, I just can't do this anymore. I, I don't know how this is going to work out anymore. But God put a desire in your heart. If he put a desire in your heart and it's authentic and it's genuine, it will keep going, and it has kept going. We're, we're still seeing women get healed and, and restored and, and transformed at the justice home. In any other ministry, that's the real deal. Listen, it will, it will move forward. But when it becomes about a person, when it becomes about a person, when it comes about the flesh, it'll die. Or it'll get so perverted. And then it becomes the enemies. And last, number five. The church in action or a healthy church will rejoice even in the face of persecution. Twenty years ago, preachers preached this and thought, man, that's terrible what they were, had to go through back then. But there's been more persecution, more martyrs in the last decade than all the other years combined. Maybe not necessarily right in America so much, but in many parts of the country. If you say, I stand with Christ, you get your head cut off or you get thrown in prison. There are Christians in China in prison right now because they said yes to Jesus Christ. They know real persecution. 
And I'm not, prof- I'm not prophesying it, but I know because of the laws and I, I know because of what the, the, the scriptures say that it's coming. It's coming. The laws are being rewritten to persecute Christians, to single us out. So I want to read this scripture in lieu of that. And they agreed with him. They agreed with Gamaliel. And when they had called for the apostles and what? They had beaten them. Listen, it wasn't like, don't do that anymore. No, Peter, John, stop that. It was a beating. More than likely, it was 39 slashes on the back. They beat them. Then they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. So they departed. Listen to this, guys. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. We whine and we complain about the least little things. Did you see how they looked at me when I bowed my head in McDonald's to pray? I'm just suffering so much persecution here. A lot of us won't pray at McDonald's because we're afraid of that persecution. A lot of us won't stand up for Christ when there's a, a situation where you need to stand up and be counted because you're afraid of that look, that label. And here they were beaten. Here they were beaten, whipped, bloody, bruised. And it doesn't say, and they went back and said, please dress our wounds. They went back rejoicing. Said, Man, I, don't, I can't believe Jesus would allow us to suffer for him. That's so awesome. Man, it's a, it's, I didn't know if I was worthy to be beaten for him, but thank you, Father, that you counted me worthy to be beaten in your name. But you've you got to remember, they were there. They saw the beating that he took. They saw the spikes in his hand and his feet and the blood rushing from his head. They saw that mass of meat and blood hanging on a cross, and they knew what he went through for them. And said, wow, just beat me for Jesus. Listen, that's what their attitude was. They were rejoicing. They weren't complaining. They weren't whining. They weren't saying, we got to get out of this deal. This is not working out, guys. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as a Christ. say this every week and don't want to sound like a broken record but we can't be silent anymore Christians we can't be silent anymore I didn't address the the situation last week in Florida because I it actually happened that morning I didn't even know about it I don't didn't you know news what it wasn't in the newspaper that morning because it happened so late What a tragedy happened in Orlando. And for, a, and I'm going to use this term loosely, a pastor of a church, I use that term loosely, 
in Arizona that would get on the internet. He ought to be banned from the internet, calls himself a Christian, and gets on there and says, Oh, that is awesome. 50 pedophiles have been killed. And he says this in the name of Jesus. He's not silent. And it's almost like, is he the voice of the church today? You see what I'm saying, church? Even the, even the false prophets, they'll stand up and they'll speak and they'll spew their junk. But we've got to stand up and say, no, that's wrong. Jesus would weep over that. He is weeping over that. Those are souls. I don't know if they're saved or lost. I'm not the judge. I don't agree with that lifestyle. I don't believe the Bible condones that lifestyle. But Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Bless those who persecute you. Love your enemies. He never said, go and kill them. Go and murder them. So we could have a few less problems on there. If that guy's, he's so far out there. And I, I prayed this morning. I just blessed him to know truth. He calls himself a preacher. He calls himself a pastor of a, of a denomination. And he's getting his name out there and more and more and more. You know what? He's getting persecuted, but he's getting persecuted for the wrong thing. If we're going to get persecuted, let's get persecuted because we love Jesus and we love people. That's where persecution ought to come. They want to persecute us for speaking the name of love, which is the name of Jesus. Let them persecute us. If they want to arrest us for preaching the truth and telling it like it is, and because we love the world, we we want to see the world saved, then let them arrest us. But we've got to be the we've got to be the voice of Christ. He's called us to do that. He says, speak love. Healthy church doesn't go silent. Just because they might experience some kind of persecution. The church in action sure doesn't stop the wheels going because of a little threat here and there. But let me bring this a little bit closer to home. Dads, you can't be silent anymore either. You can't be silent to your kids. Oh, they'll kids just be kids. No. Your kids need to know the truth. You need to set a godly example before them, but you need to speak to them also. You need to teach them what's right and wrong. I thought that video was hilarious, but you know what? A lot of people live that kind of life. They let the kids do whatever they want to when they want to do it. And we wonder why our world's in the shape is why their kids are doing what they're doing. Moms and dads, you need to get a handle on your families. You need to know where they're going. You need to know who their friends are. You, know, you need to have curfews. And my parents, didn't, my parents didn't give me a curfew, but we lived back in the day where it, there was, it wasn't like it is today. You need to know where your kids are. If you've got to tie one of those thingies around their neck, where your child finds and you can find them at any moment. But I'm just saying this, parents, dads, you've you got to wake up and become Christian dads. Not be able to not be afraid to speak and think you're going to offend your kids. Listen, your kids are not your friends. They're your kids. Oh, I don't want my kids not to love me. Listen, they're going to love you more 
They might not show it now, but later on in life, they'll love you more because of the discipline that you, you do in love now. That's all additional. That's all free. See, you have to tell the people in the first service to watch the live stream because they missed that part. Let's stand. You know what? I want to just tell you I love all of you because I believe that this is the church in action. But I think it could be more. I think God has more for us. He's waiting for us to begin to. Listen, we're not we're not chasing signs and wonders and miracles and healings and all that. We're chasing Jesus. And he said, for them that believe, if you believe me, then you will do this and you'll do that. It'll happen. It will be a naturally supernatural. It will happen because of our love and our, the fact that we're going after Jesus with everything we've got. And for dads here this morning, man, and it's already been spoken over you, but for dads, for parents here this morning, that you feel like, man, I have been the, the worst dad. I've been the worst mom. Listen, today is a new day. That's what I love about Jesus. Today's mercies are new every morning. He offers forgiveness today. He offers a new start every day. He's the God of new starts. You say, well, I've done that new start thing, but it didn't work. Well, do it again. <laughs> if it didn't work that time, try it again. I used to, when I was a kid, every, go to a church camp, church camp, every church camp, the same kids always went to the altar and rededicated their life to Jesus. And people said, man, there they go, that church camp experience. I said, man, do it again. Keep going to the altar. I was working in the jail associate pastor, uh, a chaplain at the jail. And I would hear these people out in, the, out in the world, in the church world. Yeah, that's just one of them jailhouse confessions. I said, well, what better place to get right with Jesus than the jail? You know, quit judging them. I don't know if they're going to walk out of here and live a life for Christ or not. But listen, if they met Jesus in jail, so be it. That's where they needed to meet him. And so I just, you know, we just have to, we have to believe that, that God's in this. And he wants to move in you and through you to affect the world. Amen. Could I have the ministry team come to the front, please? When I preach the word like I preach today and I go right through scripture, I feel so backed up by Jesus. I don't have to apologize for what Jesus said or what the Word says. And if you've got a problem with what I said this morning or the scripture that I read, you got a problem. I'll talk to you, but you got a problem with the Word. And God, God, He, he backs up His Word. If He started a good work in you, He's going to finish it if you'll let Him finish it in you. Will y'all bow your heads, close your eyes. Just, it's not any particular invitation today except... I guess for anything, for salvation, for uh, restoration, for healing, for uh, if you need to become a part of this church body, whatever God's telling you to do, maybe you just need somebody to pray over you. You've been a dad and the devil's been beating you up and you think I'm the worst dad and you just need somebody to put their arms around you and bless you today with with the Father's blessing. Whatever the need is you have, the doctor just diagnosed you with something, and you don't, you don't want to come in agreement with that. You want prayer? Let's do that this morning. Thomas,
one of, one of the things that God has given me is a gift is patience. And last week, I asked God if I should have shared this, and I didn't. But after church, I spoke with Pastor, and he said you should have shared it. So I'm going to share it with you today. Last week, Pastor was standing back here with his arms spread wide open. And God showed me a vision of him as being an archer. That he shoots arrows of love. That he shoots arrows into your hearts. But these arrows are not arrows. They're words that he speaks to your hearts. When he's asking you for, to ded- rededicate or dedicate your life to Christ, God has given him a gift to speak that, to speak that word for you all to give your life. Don't let it be too late. This is a man of God, and I believe what he speaks. That's why I've been coming back to his church, and I've enjoyed what he speaks. But this vision that, he, that God gave me is a vision of love. And I know when he says that he loves you all, I know he means it because God showed it to me. And just remember those, those arrows are not arrows. They're words of love that he's speaking to your hearts to dedicate your life to Christ. Amen. Thank you, Donald. You know, it's easy to love if you've got the love of Christ in you. You know, it's just easy to love. Uh, I think every Christian should be, that should be spoken over us that we love people. We don't judge people. We just love them. So if you have any need this morning for anything, Father, right now in Jesus' name, we bind up the spirit of religion that would like to keep people trapped. And we just lose your peace and your love, your grace over this body of believers today that they could receive exactly what they need from you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Y'all step out and come. You need prayer this morning. We want to pray for you. They'll take